just so proud of America. I am Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Collapsitarian 15, otherwise known as the Free Rifleman. I invited him on to discuss gun control and the medical tyranny that we are facing. But first, go to all your podcast feeds, like, share, love, adore all of your favorite podcasters, and for all of your graphic design needs, go visit the website of that commie bastard, Ryan Bunting, at ryanbunting.com. ryanbunting.com for all of your graphic design needs. He designed my podcast logo and Pete Quinones podcast logo for Free Man Beyond the Wall. ryanbunting.com for all of your commie graphic design needs. And as always, thank you, Tom Burton. For the music, it's always appreciated, and you are too. All right, we are recording. What's going on, buddy? Well, you know, when you said you wanted to do this and talk about, uh, you know, wanted to talk about gun control, I was like, oh boy, (laughs) (laughs) it's going to get me in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> well let's try not to get you in too much trouble no i'm fine yeah just you know well you know let's let's look and see you know what are the latest bills or the latest this and are the latest that and you know what i decided oh. it doesn't matter mm-hmm. it doesn't matter it, you, i'm not gonna comply with any of it right you know i mean if I were to channel, and you know I have to do this, if I were to channel Alex Jones right now, it would be this. Hitler took the guns. Stalin took the guns. Mao took the guns. And El Castro took the guns. Hugo Chavez took the guns. And I'm here to tell you, 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. There we go. <laughs> so it's been said. So it's been said. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. Yeah, you know, I I heard a guy a couple of years ago, he had said that if the only time you are willing to arm yourself and resist the government is if they come to take your guns, then they don't need to come take your guns. But, you know, a lot's changed in the last couple of years. And I'm looking at the medical tyranny they've rolled out onto the public here the last year and i'm like they have to be serious about this this time they they're they can't be fucking around so you know when i first saw hr 127 rolled out by sheila jackson lee i was thinking all right so this is a a big ask and what they're going to do is they're going to go and they're going to look for a compromise but the more radical and tyrannical this whole COVID situation becomes, the less likely I believe that they're going to actually roll any of it back, that there's not going to be any compromise, that they're going to 
do everything they can to force their will down our throats. Yeah. I think that they are, well, it's it, one, there's going to be a call made and the call is either our bluff or theirs. Yeah. That's it. I mean, you know, no matter how you try to look at it, um, there's only, there's only one way this is going to end up. And, and the thing is, is, you know, there's not enough, um, there's not enough federal agents to do it. Yeah. They would need an army. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and the United States Army is not big enough to do it. I don't know what it's your not, um, I don't know what your thoughts on this are, but you know, before last year, I I really never thought that it would be easy for the federal government to turn the military against the citizenry. But after watching how the police responded last year to the lockdowns and to the riots and, and what laws they were willing to enforce and what they were willing to let go. I've, I'm, I'm nervous about what the military will be willing to do. Well, and you know, the thing is, is that generation generationally, there's also a factor um, in this. And what that means is, is that as guys like me who leave the military, there's no guarantee uh, that there are any more uh, folks like us. I mean, and, and I can honestly tell you, I did everything I could to make the impact that I did while I was, you know, spent my 15 years in the army and, and even the times that I've worked with the army, uh, since, and, you know, it, you know, it, it, it really comes down to, <clears throat> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think it boils down to how the local, uh, the state legislatures are going to react. I, I saw when I was looking into all this, Texas actually, um, pro, um, brought forward, legislation to the state legislation that governor abbott is actually pushing that makes texas a second amendment sanctuary and uh i had talked to mike meharry uh with the 10th amendment center about this quite a few times and there's a lot of states doing this so you're gonna have not just the individuals resisting but there's gonna be states that are resisting this too and in that, um, in that Texas legislation, it even says any, any law passed after January 19th, 2021 in regards to gun control or gun accessories will not be enforced by Texas law enforcement. Yeah. Well, and you know what? We can do this as a, as a personal, at a personal level too, which is, you know, you know, people ask me, they're like, well, you know, what level of, um, of gun control would you be willing to accept, uh, to the point where you say, okay, no, that that's not it. And, and there's not any more. And, and I said, I'm already at that point. Right. There is, there's no more backtracking. There's no, there's no more 
walking this back, you know, drawing another line in the sand, there's nothing. I mean, I've got what I've got. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit and complain about not being able to buy another gun, but what I've got is what I've got. And at the end of the day, you know, it's, uh, my, my threshold has been reached. Right. Yeah. Not saying I should have a threshold at all. Not saying that, that, uh, that, you know, I, I, that I'd even be willing to accept, you know, NFA 34 or GCA you know, uh, 68 or any of those things, but at the end of the day that they're done, it's, it happened, right. You, you can't undo, uh, what they did without the legislation process. And so what I would say at this point is, is that there's no more, there's no more there, there is no more gun control that will be accepted or followed from here on out. Yeah. And, you know, one of the one of the things I was thinking as positive as it is to see some of these states stand up to the federal government in this in this manner, a lot like, you know, we've seen states stand up to the federal government on drug use and immigration, all these different things as positive as it is that it still shows that Michael Malice has always been right when he says that conservatism is just progressivism driving the speed limit they didn't say okay you know what all this other previous gun reg regulations that you've passed in the past if you go through with further gun regulations we're not we're not obeying any of it you can take it all and shove it up your ass no they said anything passed after january 19th 2021 is no longer yeah it, it, we're not going to follow but anything yeah. prior to that bump stock bans anything else we're we're perfectly fine with following those laws we're perfectly right. fine with the federal background checks we're perfectly fine with with the um the gun law of what was it 1934 that didn't necessarily ban automatic weapons but it made it extremely more difficult to get automatic weapons yeah so they're well, perfectly fine with all that shit Right. You know, and, and the thing is, you know, GCA uh, 68 and GCA 86, 86 was probably one of the more onerous ones because what 1934 did was it said there's a tax stamp. What what 86 did was it said no more tax stamp uh, firearms can be made from here on out for the civilian for civilians. Oh, okay. See, and I thought so, the I thought the production stopped in in the 30s as well. So, thanks for no, no. They yeah, no, and that that's how you have people that that legally own M16s, but they pay a lot of money because anything after 1986, if you have select fire or different things like that, now that that didn't take. That's not the case with suppressors mind you that's that's uh with um with registered machine guns is, is the the words that they used and so what that means is is that no no firearms after 86 and i don't remember exactly what the date is i'm sure somebody out there probably knows it right off their head but um but no no uh no more um tax stamps would be authorized for 
uh, machine guns after those dates. And so if you like today, if you just got a wild hair and said, you know, I, I, I want a Mac 10. I always wanted a Mac 10 that's full auto. The only Mac 10 that you can buy is one that was manufactured prior to 86. Um, it, you know, with the tax stamp and, and that's it. And so all these cool, uh, you know, newer firearms, you know, this, the, the FN scar and, and all that kind of stuff, you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to buy one of those, even if you were willing to pay the tax stamp, the $200, you know, tax stamp. And that's the other funny thing is, is they made the $200 tax stamp you know, two hundred dollars was was way more money than than the firearm cost back in thirty four, and so you know it was the equivalent probably of paying you know one or two thousand dollars today. Um, actually, probably even more than that because two hundred dollars was more than most of the uh, most of most cost more than what most NFA items you know, that were created by that law cost the uh, person to buy. So, you know, you may have had a $75 shotgun and then, you know, sawed it down and paid the $200 tax stamp where today, you know, it would be the $750 shotgun and a $2,000 tax stamp. Right. Well, a good measure for that is you can look at what an, an ounce of gold in 1934 was $20 an ounce and today it's like $2,000 an ounce. Right. Exactly. So you you can, you can assume it's at least 20 grand to yeah. Yeah. 20 grand or something like that. But they never increased the price on that tax stamp. Did they? It it stayed at $200 the entire time. Yeah. It has stayed at that $200. That's so it, that's that's one of those things that people have always thought was going to come was that they were going to add a zero on the back of the tax stamp. Um, and, you know, that would be expensive if you were to, you know, want to add anything else after that. Right. That would be a little pricey. Well, yeah, well, but they but well, they through the 1986 gun act, whenever they stopped the production or the distribution of anything made after 1986, they basically did that. Right. Cause they, yeah. they, they, they created a uh, false scarcity, which yeah. drove the price up. So what it's going to cost you what 10, $15,000 to buy a 1986 or M16 or yeah. some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think the going rate somewhere between 10 and 12, the last time I looked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so do you think, um, I don't know if you're in, involved in the three gun printing movement at all. What do you think this does to, to that movement? Do you think it pushes it over the edge? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little less tech than, uh, a lot of the 3d, uh, gun printing guys. Um, although I admire a lot of the work that they do, um, a lot of it is uh, small stuff, you know, nine millimeter uh, kind of things, because as you start getting up in some of the heavier, uh, you know, calibers, you know, either from high pressures of five, five, six, and then up, you know, into 308 or any of the bigger stuff, 
um, that that's where you start running into problems where if it's not something that's milled, you know, heat treated, etc., then you're going to run into problems. So that's why you see, you know, a lot of, you know, maybe 22 stuff, but I, I did mostly what I see is nine millimeter stuff. Um, and, and, and you know what, kudos to them. I, I think it's great. I want to see 3d printed ammo. Uh, personally, I, I would not mind seeing, you know, 3d printed, uh, primers, you know, stuff like that, you know, especially with people having such a hard time finding primers, but, right. you know, remember all those items are controlled, you know, it's controlled items to, to make primers. You have to have a, you know, there's like a form, I can't remember what form it is if you want to be a manufacturer of ammunition. Um, but, you know, to do that, you know, in order to produce ammunition and sell it, you have to have a... So, I mean, there's so many different aspects of control that are already there that most people don't realize, you know. And if if you reload, like, I, you know, I, I reload and, and I'm, I'm not a large scale reloader. There are guys out there that put out way more ammunition than what I do. Um, but the, uh, I mean, cause I, I'm, I basically fall under a hobbyist, you know, it's a hobby. I reload what I shoot basically. And that, that's a hobby. I mean, right. from, from the perspective of the, uh, you know, the three, three letter agency, um, that, that is just that's a hobbyist and so it's not something that they actually look at and say oh no we need to get rid of these you know reloading presses you know from dylan or from rcbs or different companies like that it's not to that point but i think that if it starts to get to that point we've already we've already uh lost the initiative in that regard right i think that yeah, I, I, I think, you know, there's a short-term and there's a long-term problem here, right? So last year when people were saying, hmm, having a hard time finding ammo, boss, and a lot of people were saying, nah, I'm not paying that price. I'm going to wait for prices to come down. Well, <laughs> a year later, I have not seen prices come down. I've seen prices go up. Right. And so my perspective is that the real market uh, prices of ammunition didn't go up. They were artificially low. And when demands hit, AKA a whole bunch of people buying new guns, that's, that was, that was a part of it. Uh, another part of it would be a whole bunch of people saying, oh shit, things are going wrong. I need to go buy ammo. You know, those two things are what drove the ammunition shortage of 2020. And the ammunition shortage of 2021, it, you know, again, this does not mean that manufacturers out there aren't producing to the max that they can because they are but they it's going to be years before we see if, if nothing else happens if no further gun control threatened if if nothing happens if if uh, blantifa stops burning cities i mean you name it right which you know that looks like that's not going to happen you know given given the uh the trial that's going on right now yeah <clears throat> and so 
if nothing else happens right now, it could be years before we see prices come back down. Um, and, and I, I, I'm not banking on any of that. I'm, I'm, I'm considering the fact that what I have is probably what I have. And maybe I'll come across uh, more ammo as time allows, um, as money allows. But at this point, um, you know, you could take your entire Biden bucks uh, deposit that you get if, if, if listeners actually get that. Um, if they were to take their Biden bucks and go anywhere, they're not going to be able to buy enough ammo to spend all that money or not really money, but fiat. Right. They can't find there's There's no one place where you can find that much ammo. Uh, you know, say, say you got 1400 bucks. You're not going to find a single place that's going to sell you. They might have that much ammo, but they're, they're not going to sell you that much. And, and certainly they're not going to do it if 20 more people were at the door with $1,400 in their hand. You know, it, it's, that's, that is what, uh, that is what you call a shortage. <laughs> well, and, and some of that is a supply line. I mean, we've, we've seen that for the last year that we've had supply chain problems and uh, I'll be interviewing a guy about that here in a couple of weeks, but you know, I've noticed that, Ever since, I guess it was, I want to say it was November of 2019, I started noticing it was hard, it was hard for me to find NATO ammo. And, uh, you know, I live in a small town, so there's like a little gun, local gun shop. And the only way I was able to get any nine millimeter ammunition for my, for my wife's pistol was to call the guy on Wednesday and tell him to set a couple of boxes aside for me for Saturday when I got home, you know? And, and that it, was before the COVID nonsense. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just gotten even worse. I mean, I could call the guy every week and it's a toss up whether or not he's got nine millimeter in that week. You know, it's just crazy to see how, how broken the supply chain has gotten, especially being a truck driver out here and knowing how we're running. I'm running harder than I've run in probably three years, you know? Yeah. So it's like, Jesus, man, what the hell's going on? And I was talking to my dad last weekend and he said something about the price of ammunition, not being able to find ammunition. And I'm like, well, what do you got? And he told me what he has at the house. And I'm like, well, I know I can get this. Do you want me to get you some? Because I know a place out here while I'm driving, there's a there's a truck stop that I go to in Backwoods, Louisiana, where I can get, you know, shotgun ammunition if you want shotgun ammunition. He's like, no, if I need more than what I have, then shit's already gone to hell anyway. I don't need to be here anymore. <laughs> I'm like, well, fuck. That's, well, I guess that's one way to look at it. Yeah. That's, you know, I, it's kind of a fatalist uh, point of view um, because for a couple reasons, and I'm not trying to, not trying to call, call out a family member or anything like oh, that. Oh, no, no, but, you're fine. You're um, fine. It's, it's kind of a fatalist uh, outlook, and I understand it because, you know, my, you know, the years that I had left with my dad the last couple of years, it started to be, you know, his mindset was, 
you know, I don't, I don't need more than the magazines I have loaded because I'm not going to last that long, you know, and, you know, physically debilitation, you know, different things like that. He was starting to become a little bit more of an invalid. So I get that. I understand that. And it's sad. Um, It's, it's especially sad, you know, because we are talking about family members and, and, you know, you think about it and you think, man, gosh, that's a terrible way to look at things. But, you know, I understand it. I do. I understand it. Cause you know, to a degree, that's kind of collapsitarian, right? I mean, yeah. collapsitarian is literally, you know, <laughs> okay, you know, I, I, I'm in it. I'm in it for the, uh, for the full ride. And, you know, if, um, if the full ride ends up, you know, taking this all the way to the end, then, you know, that's, that's what I signed up for. Right. Right. You know, that's, it's it's a it's kind of a fatalist way to look at it, um, you know, because you think, well, how else are you gonna fix it? I mean, how is it gonna be fixed? It, it, right now, if if the needle were moving, it's moving in the wrong direction and has been for a very very long time for freedom. It's moving in the wrong direction, and yeah, absolutely, and I, and and I, you know, I think people more people see it now than they probably saw it, you know, three, four years ago when I started the whole collapsitarian thing. And it was just simply because I realized that there, there was no political solution to where we are. Yeah. There just isn't because, you know, say there's a politician in, uh, in office right now that, that thinks exactly the same way we do. They're, they must be holding their tongue really, really well, because otherwise you would hear about it right. and, and you and you would you would hear them try to basically bring them up for insurrection or some other charges or recall or I don't know what other options they have impeach a senator. I don't know what options they have, but the point is, is that, you know, they the reason why people like me don't run for office is because we realize that a it's not in our makeup. My personality is not to get along with others when they're doing something that I strongly disavow and disagree with. There is no go along, get along with me. And so that's not going to fit in my makeup. You won't see me running for office and saying, I'm going to fix all this. And so that means that the people that are there are there for a different reason. They may think that they're going to fix things, but they're not going to fix things the way I would look at the problem and say, this is what we need to do to fix it. You guys ready? Roll up your sleeves, start the wood chipper. Let's go. Right. That's not their outlook on how this thing needs to get fixed. And so that's kind of why, I came up with that whole collapsitarian mindset was because it's going to have to crumble because doing what has to be done right now is too hard for everyone. It's just too damn hard. It's too hard of a decision. People are going to be walking away from their livelihoods, their investments, their, their life insurance, their health insurance for the family. I mean, it's expensive to live now. It is. It's expensive. People do what they do, what they can to get by 
to get their families by to keep them healthy you know um you know medicine is 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 at the highest cost it probably has been in in the history of this country um you know people don't want to lose their their life insurance they don't want to leave their leave their spouses with with uh you know nothing but bills and no money and you know maybe she was a stay-at-home mom and took care of the kids and this is the thanks you give her right i mean i'm I'm just looking at this pragmatically right you know And, and so that's why things are not going to happen the way they need to happen to fix it that's why you know and that that's the whole collapsitarian mindset in in a in a, a little bit more candid explanation than you know what you probably hear from me on twitter but really what has to happen there's only one other solution and that is just simply that it collapses yeah. under its own weight you know maybe there'll be some monkey wrenching and some people that probably help it go along but quite frankly you know when you have people that just decide they want to spend you know two point however many trillion dollars on you know tearing one road out and putting another road in just simply because it it's racist because it services one population and not another part of the population i don't know if you heard about that yeah you know up in new york but i mean i i when you look at that i don't need to monkey wrench this at all <laughs> at all there's nothing i could do to possibly lay a wrench large enough to, to bring all of this down than someone who believes that we need to tear roads up and then put them back in in an unracist way right there's there is so at this point i mean i i think that the fate is sealed we're we're on our way the only thing that people can do now is probably more of what you knew you should have been doing all along, which is either getting more ammo, getting more magazines. If you can build a gun for your kids, do it. If you can buy a gun for your kids or buy all the parts and have somebody help you build the gun for your kids, they, they might be 10 or 12 years old. We have no idea how long this is going to go. You know, my, my father raised me thinking that the, uh, that the second American revolution was going to take place sometime if the red dawn scenario didn't happen. So I was kind of raised under the mindset that it was either one or the other. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, I, I think about like my, my, my dad's, you know, generation, and it's something I've talked to him about a lot. And he he's he's even talked to guys he, his own age that he works with. And he straight up he straight up asks them, he's like, Are do you feel like we're more free today than we were when we were when when we were growing up? Is the country more free today than it was when we were growing up? And he said, To a man, every one of them says no. And you think about the way they were raised and what they were led to believe. That, that fatalist mentality that, that you know, he hit me with this past weekend is kind of understandable because they were never, they never believed it would get to this point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, because, 
because I, I think what happened is, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure somewhere out there, there's a recording of this, you know, somewhere in the FBI headquarters or something. But really what happened is, is that they realized that all they had to do was wait out the generational, the generational freedom lovers. Yeah. And on one end, right. So that's like trimming on one end. And then, and then all they have to do is, you know, turn out a higher percentage of uh, Marxists, leftists, socialists, communists, degenerates, whatever you want to, you know, whatever category you think that fits. Yeah. Uh, at a higher rate on the front end. And then what you've done is just you've now trimmed everything off of uh, both ends, you know, either your future generations or your generations past. Right. Right. And so they're waiting, they're waiting the, uh, I guess what you could say is left of the boomers. Right. Yeah. You know, they're, they're waiting for them. You know, they, they were the, you know, stand for the pledge of allegiance, you know, take your hat off son. You know I mean? That was the generation. I, I, I know I was raised by that generation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and they're waiting that generation out, which means generation X will be the only generation left. And the millennials were the beginning of the turn the Marxist dogma up in schools and Gen Z um, was basically the cross between Marxist and degeneracy. So you basically have one generation. Yeah, that's it. I mean, okay. you know, not saying that all millennials are a waste of time because they're not. I don't think that at all. I'm, but what I am saying is, is that uh, the reason why some of the stereotypes exist is because they're probably right. Stereotypes don't become stereotypes without some validity to them. Right. The so, one thing, the only, the only hope I see, and it might just be my where I'm at, like just my kids. I have five kids, and uh, and a granddaughter. So my my eldest son is 21. My youngest is 16. So. I have five kids all in that five-year range. And um, all of them are, are very much like me um, as far as freedom-loving, agorist-leaning, you know, uh, libertarian-thinking kids, and all their friends are as well. So there may be hope that that, that Generation Z has enough of those latchkey kid types that the the generation X raised, you know, and yeah. uh, and kind of raised the same way we were raised. We're get out of the fucking house, come back when it's dark, and we'll feed you, you know, type deal. Yeah. And so, I there might be enough of that ingrained in Gen Z to overcome what the scenario you're laying out. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's why I tell people like, okay, you know, you, you, you believe obviously that the, the second amendment has its purpose. Right. And, 
and you honestly believe that you're opposed to gun control and that uh, if if they were to come and say, okay, turn in your guns, you know, at that point, that's exactly what that's actually for, right? That the Second Amendment is actually for preventing tyranny. Um, you know, I would say that it's also uh, for being a little bit more, um, shall we say, initiated toward getting rid of it before it begins. But uh, that being said, what I can see happening is, is that as uh, Gen X, we'll just, we'll, 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 we'll lay it down by generation. As Gen X starts to get older, right? Mm -hmm. I turned 50 soon. Yeah. Um, so as, as Gen X gets older, uh, you know, we're, I, I, I think that as a generation, as you get older, you uh, you begin to depend more on help, yeah. assistance, whether it's medical assistance, whether it's, um, you know, I, I can't even, you know, trim my own tree anymore or, you know, I can't, I can't dig a hole to plant a tree, you know, my back's out or, you know, I, I say that because I just planted a tree this uh uh, yesterday i planted two um, a couple of weeks ago i'll show you yeah yeah it hurts doesn't it <laughs> yeah it does uh, those I'm, holes I'm, are not not easy <laughs> no i'm building i'm building a chicken coop actually a new chicken coop because my my old ones were dilapidated so i had uh i was on the i was on the work end of a post hole digger for two days and jesus man i was so damn sore <laughs> yeah yeah, you, know, really you say you're see, almost and, 50 i'm 40 i'm almost 42 and i'm already yeah. like damn i can already feel it yeah yeah and and the thing is, is you know if you throw in any kind of um you know military or combat uh injuries or different things like that then then old is relative you know because you can feel old in your 30s if you have enough injuries right yeah. And, and you can feel you can you can actually feel pretty spry in your later years if you were able to avoid a lot of injuries. So there is there is a relative uh, aspect to it. But what I will say is, is that for Gen X, you know, my generation. Um, you know, there's a time window there. And, and then then you've got. Then you have the uh, the millennial uh, generation, and then you've got Gen Z. And so, if if you're if you have the means, and I'm saying this for audience uh, predominantly, but you know, if, if a person has the means, and and maybe maybe their kids are you know just kind of lost in the wind, you know, just out there flapping is what we like to refer to in the uh, in the airborne world. Mm -hmm. and um and, and and if if you if you can't get them uh you know with their head on straight and looking at what's really happening right now it doesn't mean they're always going to be like that it could be four years it could be five years you know shoot it could be one depending on the situation where all of a sudden they're like holy crap i see the light you know um what do i do Right. This is what you can do 
to invest in their future. Um, because, you know, if, if you, if, if they're, if they're in that 17, 18 year, uh, you know, phase of life, which I kind of went through with, uh, two of my sons, um, you know, they will come around and my thinking is, you know, just put stuff back for them because it, you know, it, it might end up not being us. This thing may just languish and languish and languish on and, and, and they, you know, they may just say, you know what, it's, uh, we don't really have to push um, uh, gun control quickly. In the past, it's always been a slow, it's been a slow boil, right? They just turn the water up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you have the average hunter that says, well, I don't have one of their AR-15s, so I'm not too worried about this, right? Or I don't need a 30 round magazine to go deer hunting. So that, you know, I'm not too worried about it. And I've heard people like that and it makes me sick. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It really does, you know, but okay. All right. Let's look at it that way and say, if it continues down this nice quiet road, then it's going to be a generational fight. Mm-hmm. which means that you should put back for your kids future if they have to go out and win their freedom back, you know, cause that that's really what it comes down to is, you know, freedom has been taken. And while we exercise freedom, you know, there's certain things you're just not going to hear from me on this podcast for yeah. good reason. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't want to incriminate you. I wouldn't want to incriminate myself. I wouldn't want to, you know, put the wrong idea in a young person's head that says that they need to go do something right now. Right. right? So there's certain things you're just not going to get that just aren't said. They're just things that are, they're undertones, but they're just not said. You know, we kind of dance around them a little bit. We don't actually say them straight out. And so the way I look at it is if, they decide, and I say they, the proverbial they, you know, the, 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 the people, the, the, the people who uh, run the world, they, the, the bee pigs, that they're so far uh, removed from this problem that this is, a, this is more of a, um, a local ruler problem, the Second Amendment thing. And, yeah. and I think this, I think that arms, that arms in the hands of Americans are the only thing that has prevented the world domination, uh, global government, the whole, the whole shebang, all the terrible things you hear Alex Jones talk about. Just imagine the worst possible, you know, matrix type scenario, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 1984 matrix and, and, uh, you know, George Orwell, all, all, you know, all rolled into one gigantic, you know, yummy roll, right? Well, the only thing that's prevented that to this point is armed Americans. That's mm-hmm. it. Because this country is the last country to have not succumbed to gun control. Yeah. And, and, and when I say succumbed, I don't mean like, oh, you know, we're going to vote harder next year. I mean, there are people that will not take another step backward 
not one. Yeah. There, in fact, there's probably people that have ha, that have sworn oaths not to take another step backward. You know, and right now they're being called terrorists. Yeah, that's true. Right. You know, like the three percenters and the oath keepers. Right. You well, know? and and you know, God bless those guys, the Boogaloo Boys, the Black Panthers, all those guys that'll go out there and protest and and march in front of capitals, fully armed. I'm I'm all with those guys. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, you know it it's it's like a big f you to any any state any politician that thinks that this is going to be easy to just roll out legislation and take people's guns. I mean, you can look at what happened in New York whenever they um, tried to pass legislation to do uh, an AR-15 buyback. And I think out of like 3,000 AR-15s in the state of New York, they were able to collect like 20 or some shit like that. Yeah, people are just like, no, I'm not going to go along with this. I don't care what you say. Yeah, the the numbers the numbers don't look very Ooh. promising for them right now. You know, it, it it's not very promising for them. Um, but my thinking is along the lines of they. Ha- it's sort of like sort of like watching a fight. Um, if you ever watch like a boxing match or something like that, you'll see uh, where somebody goes down in the first round mm-hmm. and it's done and it's over with. Mm-hmm. And then you watch boxing uh, or, or even, you know, certain MMA fights where it's round after round after round after round and, and you see the one person's just kind of like, you know, I'm not going to take him. I'm not going to make a mistake. I'm just going to wear you down. Right. And, and I, I kind of see this as like the latter, you know, and, um, and the thing is, is that I think it's two sides waiting each other out, you know, it's, and, and, and the thing is, I, like I said before, I, I think that, you know, when, when you see, you know, how vile they've, what, what they've done that's just so disgusting and vile to what we used to call education, which is now just, you know, straight up indoctrination. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, when I went to school, I remember doing book reports on uh, books that came from the John Birch Society. Mm-hmm. somebody like that in in a high if somebody in a high school or a junior high wanted to do a book report because you know sometimes you can pick your own book right um or you can say well I, i'm gonna pick this book instead of that book as an alternate and uh and you know sometimes you can get a buy-in from your uh from your teacher um or, you know, from your school administrator or whatever, um, yeah. you know, and you could cite all kinds of reasons. Like when I was in school, it was, you know, well, due to religious beliefs or religious reasons or whatever, you could use that and say, you know, I'm going to pick a different book mm-hmm. or I'm going to, you know, you know, Johnny's not going to read this book. You know, this book has, you know, two dads in it. Well, that that's not an option now. You know, yeah. th- those those are the. Uh, that's the indoctrination 
opt uh, part. You you can't opt out of the indoctrination part of education anymore. Right. You know, you're, there is no opting out other than homeschool. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that they haven't really tried to reel that in more. Um, I guess this whole thing with kids being home this last year is probably, probably, probably been good for them, quite frankly. Probably. Honestly, a year of no indoctrination. Now, it doesn't mean that the parents weren't sitting there watching TV and the indoctrination just came in through the television. Because well, that's possible, too. I mean, there has been an increase of, of child suicide, which that I, I, would, I would say that's due to the isolationism, you know, and not, not allowing them to be out there socializing. Playing. Yeah. yeah. But, but as far as the education goes, I'm with you, you know, it's a, it's a double edged, it's a double edged sword. And, and like you said, there's not, there's some of these parents just aren't engaged at all and don't care. um, Well, you know, it might've been because their parents didn't care too. You know I mean? Uh, I know people who are like, Oh, my, my father never talked about politics or my, you know, that was never, you know, uh, something that was allowed to talk at the table. And I, I just think to myself, I'm like, well, that, that's how we got here. Yeah. That's how we got here is that, you know, parents didn't talk to their kids about this kind of stuff. And quite frankly, it could have just simply been, they could have been bothered themselves. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't like getting into the whole politics conversation of Republican versus Democrat. Right. I mean, it's not my favorite subject either. You know, and, and what I did was I, I tried to present my kids all the different sides of the argument so that they would have time to absorb the information and understand that it's just it, it's actually more than just one or two agendas. There's actually a lot of things going on all at the same time. And ho- hopefully they come around to that. Um, Every now and then I, I hear something or I see something that disappoints me, but you know, that's part of being a parent. Um, you know, your kids, they'll disappoint you because, you know, we disappointed our parents too. You know, it's part of growing up. It's part of life. You know, it's part of, uh, free will, right? Having free will, you're going to disappoint your parent. So, um, I kind of look at it and I think, okay, well, you know, but the, there's still room for them to come around. You know, there were there were a couple years that my dad was worried about me. And uh, he was concerned that I was going to get on the side of the, you know, um, the, uh, you know, the Waco, Texas and the Ruby Ridge scenarios. You know, they should have just given themselves up kind of thing you know i'm sure there were times when he was kind of worried about that with me yeah uh different conversations you know because i use those as as touch points because anybody who lived through that or grew up with that in their in their understanding of their worldview um they they can see how you know you kind of have one side of the point of view and you have the other side of the point of view, but both sides aren't right. 
Only one can be right. Right. You know, I mean, you, you can either have dangerous liberty where, you know, people can, you know, take their beliefs to a level that you aren't comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to lay some things aside, you know, things I've been told, you know, that, uh, that David Koresh, you know, had participated in, right? you know, such, such as, uh, you know, children and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I try to set that aside and think, oh no, that's just stuff that they drummed up. Um, or, or it, it could have been true. I don't know. Yeah. Because I mean, that's, that's the point. No, well, it's hard I'm, to find all the truth when it's all in a heap of ashes. I'm talking to David Thibodeau tomorrow who um, Interesting. Su- survived Waco. And yeah. I, I remember hearing him being addressed about this and I think he admitted, if I remember correctly, that there was one, one girl that, that David Koresh took as a bride as his wife that was 14 but it was with her parents consent and technically in the state of texas at that time that was not illegal yeah so as disgusting as we may find it and yeah that there's still the idea that there was actually no law broken there so and it and it's not the jurisdiction of the ATF or the FBI to be dealing with. Yeah. That, you know. So there's there's that in itself. Now, my mom went to high school with one of the ATF officers that lost his life. So I kind of look I can kind of see the people on the other side too and how they were lied into the whole scenario and say, "Oh, okay. Well, you were lied to. You were you know, basically brainwashed into believing this was happening and you believed you were doing your due diligence, you know, for, for the greater good or whatever. And so there's, there's that aspect as well. And, uh, sure. I, I, you know, look, I, I understand drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. I understand it. Well, you know, having been in the army for 15 years, you know, during some, it was kind of a weird time because, you know, when I went in, we had the first Gulf war, Mm. you know, that was, that was within the first year of me being in. Yeah. And, uh, and then by the time I was leaving, we had the invasion of Iraq the second time, only the Iraq, not, not, not trying to get them out of Kuwait, but the actual invasion of Iraq. And, you know, I, I remember sitting there, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, these Iraqis, they, they lived under, you know, a dictator of, 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 of a uh, sort, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, but, I mean, they all had AKs at home. Yeah. We don't, we don't even have that here in... in in america i mean not like full auto ak's right you know like i mean they they were real ak's not not something that you know has been you know modified to shoot incorrectly 
with only one round fired when the trigger's pulled, right? right. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I, I think to myself, you know, okay, so how bad of a dictator was he? And I, I'm not, I'm not even questioning the stories, you know, all the terrible things he did. I'm sure that probably most of those are, you know, I, I, I know enough of the Middle Eastern culture to realize that there's some bizarre shit that goes on there that Americans just don't understand. And mm-hmm. it's not my job to try to understand it. That's kind of why they live over there and I live here. Right. Right. And if, if I was, if I was really torn up about it and I felt like something should change, then maybe I'd just go over there and try to fix it myself. Right. Not, not make war over it. Right. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that's kind of the voluntarist point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, is that if you think that these people are crying for help and they need your help and you believe in it that much and you can ask people to help you, but you can't make people do it, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. so I kind of, I kind of understand the whole Kool-Aid drinking, you know, when we went in and then, you know, seeing it firsthand and having the opportunity to make judgment on what exactly that had to do with 9-11 has disenfranchised a large number of people like me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so not disenfranchised, like disgruntled disenfranchised. I think what it's done is, is it's kind of removed the uh, the uh, the color of the lens that we look at the U.S. government with. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, it's, it it makes you apathetic. You know, I was I was in basic training when 9/11 happened, so I I had plenty of Kool Aid drinking to do. Yeah, and then when you get out and you discover a scott horton and you start learning about all this stuff and all the all the details and the the how blowback occurs and where it came from and and how all of this started you know in the 50s and and you're and you're looking at it and you're just like what the hell man why are these people dying you know there's no point in it and yeah and you know you were you were saying that you if they keep going at this path you know the same boiling frog scenario towards gun control and i think it all ties in it, i mean it's all authoritarian if you ask me whether it's at home yeah. or abroad and it, when 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 you look at it it's almost like with as the information age has kicked in i don't know if they can afford to continue to turn the heat up slowly it's it's the mask has been peeled off for so many people. So many of us can see what's happening. I mean, there are obviously, I mean, there's that, those neocon guys that um, Clint from Liberty lockdown um, debated. And then Ace Arcus went on his show and trolled him yeah. for an hour, which was hilarious. Um, you know, it, it, some of these guys supporting it even know what it is now. They are even willing to admit 
what it is. You know, they're 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 more like an Irving Crystal than they are a, a George Bush. You know, <laughs> yeah. So so it's it's really it's really are they willing to continue that slow roll, that slow boil after how quickly they instilled totalitarian government on top of us with a, a hard flu? Well, I think the, um, I think the presidential um, note uh, sent to the three-letter agency about relooking um, certain things like uh, arm braces. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably an attempt to turn it up. Um, but you know, there's a couple things that they're missing. Yeah. Uh, one is exactly how many people have bought one of those. Or yeah, those are, those are extremely popular. This isn't a bump stock that we're talking about. We're talking about, right, yeah, yeah we're talking an arm about an arm brace and there are lots of people that have bought those. I mean, those are, those are really popular, especially I, for your higher caliber pistols. I, I was going to say, truth be told, it, it, it makes a perfect home house clearing weapon. Yeah. Perfect. You know, that 10 and a half or that 11 or. You know, whatever it's it's just long enough to maintain lethality at close range, mm-hmm. and it's just short enough to get through the door faster than the first than the next guy. Right. You know, and so, I mean, to me, I kind of look at it and I think, you know, and and the truth is, is that um, I, I think that freedom has swollen a little bit in all of this because. I remember a time being the most pro two a guy you'd ever talk to. And I've probably been that way my entire life, but I remember a time when I said, Oh no, I, I I'm, I'm not going to build one of those pistols. I, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. I can yeah. do everything I need with a rifle. I remember having that thought, that mindset. Yeah, I do. I remember having that mindset be- because there was a time when you couldn't really buy them. You had people make them, but you couldn't really buy them. There was no manufacturers that would just thumb their nose and say, we're going to make this. And then, and then it was even better when a company and, you know, some of this is technological advances, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the material that the, the arm brace is made out of, you know, and how it kind of, you know, wraps around your wrist, you know, that nobody actually does. Right. But I mean, the point is, is that, you know, when the verdict was given that they would allow that, it was like, boom, it, it was it was like uh, it was like the first person taking a sledgehammer to the Berlin Wall. Yeah, boom, you were there was no tearing that wall or there was no keeping that wall up. And yeah, that's what there's happened. no going back after that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of how I, I mean, feel about 3D printing. It, it's kind of like I look at it and with the development of the ghost gunner and 3D printing, it, it, it yeah, to me, it's just like gun, the argument's over, really. You're, you're yeah. not going back. Yeah. You know, um, 
but no, you're the only the only direction it's going now. The only direction it's going now is what other method can they use to control people? And I think that that's what we're looking at now. Is it's actually not gun control. It's it's a non-vaccine passport. It's a change to your DNA to allow you to have a to to allow you to travel. Mm-hmm. That that's the method of control. I they may have I don't know if they skipped gun control altogether or if they're going to continue to keep that pressure. And I think and it's a distraction. Shift gears. I think it's a distraction, and here's why I say that. Because in February, HR one twenty seven was really was in the headlines. You had the Daily Caller talking about it. You had the Blaze talking about it. Alex Jones was talking about it. Um, I talked to Pete about it on my podcast. Pete talked yeah. to uh, Matt Freeman about it on his podcast. And <laughs> you know, so it was it was in the news. Like people were looking at it. But what did they do with it? They put it in committee and tabled it. And it's just been sitting there. Hadn't been voted on. It didn't get dropped. It didn't go away. But nobody's talking about it anymore because it's not in the headlines. It's not in the news. So, you know, I think they're distracting people with the, the vaccine passports, knowing that you, you have this, you know, crisis on the border you have the vaccine passports, you have all this other stuff going on. It's, it's, you can't pay attention to every fucking thing, right? Yeah, and, no, you can. I, trust me, I, I watch my day disappear trying to. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but you can't keep up. I mean, I, you know, like I, I do this podcast and part of like what I take pride in is trying to keep track of what the hell's happening so that I can be somewhat coherent on the subjects I want to talk about on the podcast. And there are weeks yeah. that I'm just like, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing overload. I can't even have a conversation because there's so much going on in my head all at the same time with COVID passports, ESG, yada, 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 yada. And it's just pop, pop, pop. And I can't keep my train of thought you know, because I'm absorbing so much information. And, and so I, it's, it's sensory overload and it can kick your ass, but I think they do it intentionally so they can slip things by. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's information dominance. mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But HR 2127 is in house committee. It just hasn't been voted on. It's just sitting there in committee. It's been sitting there since March 5th, just sitting there doing nothing. And it's like, okay, let's not forget, guys, this was the the bill that was encouraging your your family members to turn you in if, uh, for owning guns, owning firearms, if they considered they thought you might have some sort of mental illness. So if you're a veteran and you've suffered from PTSD, you know, no matter how much therapy you've gotten, no matter how better you are, you know, how, how well you've gotten mentally, they want your family members to turn you in, right? This is like red flag laws on fucking steroids, you know? Yeah. And so 
I, I still, once a week, I do try to look and see what's going on with this House resolution. And then you got Joe Biden, like you're bringing up, trying to sign executive orders. But you can't sign an executive order legally, right? So he's just trying to put that, put that meme out there. He's trying to get that thought in the mind of the American people. So it's, it's and all- that brings up a whole different subject, which is what does he even think right now? I don't think, he I mean, I, I think, I don't think, he's I think capable. what he thinks. Yeah. I think what he thinks is in a bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody else is doing it for him. I mean, I, I don't think he's thinking at all. You know, you, no. you see some of these, these press conferences where he's like, is that what I was supposed to say? Is this what, who am I giving this to? What do I do with this? And you're like, this guy has no, this is, this is elderly abuse, right? I would never. It is definitely, yeah, it definitely has that. It definitely, especially because so many of us laugh at him. Right. You know, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's sad if it were our grandfather that were in that position, we would be angry. But the point is, is that his family is a crime family they are a crime syndicate and i i can't feel i can't feel bad for him uh in that situation at all i just can't yeah no even though it's sad i feel if it were anybody else i'd feel bad yeah usually i'll watch a video like with him falling up the stairs or whatever it is i'll watch it and i'll just crack up laughing for about an hour and then then i'm and then i'm done laughing at it and i'm like God, this is fucking abuse, man. Like you can't, yeah, you can't do this to people, you know. And I've been, but I was saying that whenever they had him up there campaigning, I was like, this guy has no clue where the fuck he's at, you know. And no, he doesn't. It's really like you said; it'd be sad. Well, it is sad, but at the same time, you're kind of like, you fucking people are so fucking power hungry. You're willing to do anything to get power even abuse your own family members you know well listen listen to listen to any time that a reporter asks kamala harris anything to do with you know like the poor children in cages down at the border or this or that or this or that listen to her evil fucking cackling laugh oh god i know I mean, it's it's almost like she can't help herself but enjoy uh, other people's um, misery, you know, plight, plights and misery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just disgusting. You hear it and you're just like and, you know, I keep this is what I keep thinking. I'm like, maybe some of these reporters will actually maybe they'll actually see the light. You know, all the ones that that basically got us here, because let's face it, it wasn't it wasn't Joe Biden that got us here. No, it, right. it was a combination of, you know, flawed voting processes, um, you know, a, a, you know, a fake pandemic or pandemic that, uh, that, that ushered in, you know, mail-in voting. I mean, the list is just, it's longer than what I, I feel like if I tried to say everything on the list, I'd feel bad because I'd forget something. But right. the list is long and distinguished, right? <laughs> right. But that's what got us here. All and, and 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 what we're looking at is a comedy of errors as to how we got here. But but the press were part of that mm-hmm. because because it did not matter what Donald Trump said 
he was a Nazi. Right. It didn't matter what he said. Right. Because they had already decided it. They had already decided it. You know, I mean, now you've got uh, under the Biden administration, you got, you know, thousands and thousands of kids in cages where Trump said, you know, at no point will there ever be any more than this many. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's disgusting. Um, I can't say that I have an inside view on what's going on because that that might actually put people I know and and love in jeopardy. But I'm here to tell you, it's bad. Yep. It is really, really bad. Um, it's so bad I don't even comment on it when I post, uh, you know, things on Twitter, and I'm like, I have an inside view on this that's actually worse than the the story I'm sharing. But I'm just gonna put it up there with no comment because otherwise I might end up getting somebody in trouble. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't know if you know who Josh Childress is. He, he's been on Pete's podcast. He was also on, on yeah. Unregistered. All right, so he's a buddy of mine, and I had him on last week, and we were talking about what's going on on the border, right? And yeah. when when he came on, we're, we're talking about it, and he's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not seeing anything from the videos I'm able to find from what Veritas, Project Veritas has released. I'm not seeing anything I didn't see when I worked for Border Patrol. And then the other day, Project Veritas released that video of all the kids up under the overpass in, the, in like sleeping in the dirt. Yes. Yeah. I sent that to him. I was like, hey, man, this is fucking horrible, dude. Did you see this? And he and he and he messaged me back. He's like, dude, I saw some fucked up shit when I was with Border Patrol. I never saw anything that fucked up. I mean, right. was that? I was apologizing because I went to put my earbuds away and it cut off your audio in the middle of it. And I apologize. Oh, no, no, no. I did not not think about that happening. That's so you were you were saying that that his comment was what? Um, I I sent him that video uh, from Project Veritas with all those kids sleeping under the overpass that just came out. Yeah. And I, I sent that to him earlier this week as soon as when it came on, I saw it came out. And he was like, dude, I never saw anything that bad when I was with Border Patrol. It, it, it's almost yeah. like he he almost felt like we should redo the, the the podcast, you know, to an extent, I think, because because like we're talking like, OK, this all looks normal. This all looks like what he saw in 2012, 2014. It all looks pretty much the same. You know, he was saying, yeah, yeah these facilities, that's what I saw, blah, blah, blah. But I sent him that that video of those kids under the overpass, he's like, okay, that's fucked up. You know, that's, that's yeah. one step too far. Yeah. 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 I, you know, so being that I have such a unique view of being both uh, very involved in, you know, uh, shooting competitively and shooting with law enforcement, training with law enforcement, um, working security, um, being in classes with federal agents to the left of me and to the right of me, um, all those types of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and still yet having my point of view, you know, as a, uh, as an abolitionist or, you know, as a, uh, voluntarist. Right. Uh-huh. And so, you know, for me and, you know, the ANCAP, I usually, uh, people find ANCAP more appealing. Oh, you know, I don't. Cause they're I, like, cause I, they, cause they like, 
they like the free market idea, right? Right. They like I, the free market idea. And so like, I, I, I can, I can start conversations sometimes with that. Um, but you know, lately anything anarcho is completely destroyed after this last year, just using the word you're, 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 you're backwards in the starting blocks if you start about anything anarchy anymore with conversations with people. Right. I've noticed that. I have. I've noticed it. And I mean, it was kind of bad before, but it's way bad now. Really? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you just can't you just can't have conversations with people like that because they they honestly believe people honestly believe that what is happening in Seattle and Portland is anarchy. Uh, they actually believe that. And I, and I asked them, I said, you know, so just hypothetical. Um, what, uh, how, how do you think that communist revolutions start? Do you think they actually start with people saying, yeah, we don't want government? Or do you think they start with people that are disgruntled about the government existing and they get all these stupid hipsters to sign on to something that's, that's not really true and then turn into the movement that you now see with Antifa and BLM, or as one of my, one of my friends likes to call them, Blantifa. <laughs> I like that. You said it earlier. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Blantifa. I, you know, I'm just like I, that, that's it right there you know it's like throw that in there maybe a little muslim brotherhood maybe a little bit of uh you know islamic state you know because there there are loose affiliations going on mm -hmm. there there are there are loose affiliations you know and you know it's kind of funny because you know like i've i've never actually been accused of being a white supremacist mm -hmm. ever right yeah and, and this year, um, I'm like, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, what does a white supremacist really believe that 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 they aren't actually the antithesis of already? Yeah. Meaning, meaning they they literally want to destroy a race and a culture, or just they'll be happy enough just to destroy the culture. But, you know, a lot of the culture and the race are like kind of cross identifying, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and they literally want to destroy that and then have the nerve to actually call people that oppose it the exact antithesis of what it is that they're doing, which I have actually come to the conclusion that they will tell you what they're doing by what they say their enemy is doing like from here on out i've i think i've broken the code everything they do is 100 percent projection oh, it's that saul linsky yeah. move yes yep it's 100 percent projection so whatever they're saying like what during the uh during during the um the the uh i can't even say that it was a um that it was a race for 2020 like that wasn't really a 
Like, it, there was there even an election? I don't think there was. <laughs> like, I really, I'm. I mean, look, I don't. Just, I don't it, blame you for for thinking no. that. I, I, no, could, I, mean, I, I could. I can't prove the opposite. No, and so, know? so, but you know what I noticed is, is that everything that they claimed Trump was doing, they were doing. They were literally telegraphing what it was that they were doing. Yep. Like everything. It, it it and it was it was almost like almost textbook mm-hmm. you know like you you could almost count on it the second that they said it you knew that that was actually what they were in fact doing at the time well i mean you look at the russian collusion you you know and, and yeah yeah you know, and their ties with the ukraine and the ties with china and you know it, it's like oh okay you're doing that you're just doing that in a di- in a different country you know, the, the Clinton Foundation taking millions of dollars from Saudi Arabia, you know, things like that. You're like, oh, OK, yeah, you're just you're telling us what you're doing. That, that's what you're doing. You're just yeah. telling us what you're doing. You know, so, yeah, no, you're, you're right. I mean, and it but it goes with it, it goes so far in that direction. And that's I think that's why I say it feels this time with the gun control it feels like it, they're actually serious it really does because there's so many of us out here speaking out there's so much information flying around and we're reaching so many people that it's they can't fight it informationally anymore they're going to have to get you know uh violent with us to shut us up yeah their mistake was not going slow yeah Exactly. Their mistake. Their mistake was um, not allowing Fox News to continue to flounder and destroy the Republican Party the way it was. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, they fucked up. They fucked up with that whole Pied Piper strategy by propping up yes. Donald Trump. That I mean, they yeah. fucked up there. You know, and they they rightfully admit that. Well, we're we're partially to blame because we were showing. A, a empty Donald Trump podium for an hour while Bernie Sanders was speaking or, you know, whatever. And, and so it's like, yeah, y'all fucked up, you know, and now you're paying the price. And now anybody who's, you know, right of, you know, Mao is, is considered an insurrectionist. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm not even, a, I was never even a Donald Trump supporter. But I found myself for four years defending a man I didn't even really care for because so, everything that was bad, everything they would say yeah. about him was fucking wrong. It's like, yeah, no, yeah, that's not yeah. what fucking happened. Yeah, that, I, 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 I want to add to that. I didn't vote for him the first time. But defensively, I canceled out votes for him this last time. Like defensively. Yeah. Because because by the time this last election came around um you know i had people that were literally like i can't believe that you know this and this and this because they're all riled up and everything and i was like well, you know what i'm just i'm gonna go vote to cancel out your vote that literally i'm making it personal yours i want to yeah. cancel yours out you know and, and and i'm gonna get somebody else to go vote and cancel yours out too you know yeah. and and so so we'll just play a numbers game here at this point. Um, so that was the second, the second, his second run, right? Right. Well, 
during the year, you know, I was probably about 50, 50, 50 down the line about things that I was like, well, you know, that's actually pretty good, but this isn't good. He's messing with the markets and he shouldn't, he shouldn't be because, you know, I'm a laissez-faire, um, you know, free market, uh, person, you know, I, I, I don't believe that government should interfere in the markets. And, and he did that a lot. He did. He did it a lot. Now, Now I'm not saying that, that the reason why he wasn't doing it wasn't because he meant well, but let's face it, that that's not the definition of laissez-faire as well. If you mean well, then it's okay. Right. You know, that, that's not what that means. That means hands off. So, so to me, um, this is what I think. I think we're at a point where you have so many technocracy leftists. Mm-hmm. I'll use the word leftist. I can use the word Marxists, whatever they are. Right. I mean, you hate to, you hate to, you know, label them wrong, but I mean, in, in the end that that's essentially their ideology, right. right. It's the Alinsky Marxist, you know, belief system. Right. So, yeah. so if it, you know, but you know, you got the, the Bezos and the, um, you know, from, uh, from, from Amazon and you've got, uh, Jack, uh, Dorsey from Twitter and you've got, um, freaking data <laughs> from Facebook, right? Doesn't he yeah. look like data? He does. <laughs> you got data from Facebook and, and you, I mean, you, you've got all these conglomerates, you know, and Google and, um, and Microsoft and freaking, you know, I was, oh my gosh, I watched uh, Stephen Corbett's who, who is, let me see, I've got to bring it up. I got to make sure, there it is, full documentary. Who is Bill Gates? Oh, full documentary, really Corbett Report Extras. He, they took four sub reports and put them all together into one gigantic one. Apparently, this is a new, this is new information to some people that they, they weren't aware of it. And I'm hearing it coming out in more and more podcasts. I was listening to Matt Bracken this morning. Uh, they're usually on Sundays, but you know, I don't always get to it, you know, right away because I get kind of busy on the weekends. Yeah. And uh, and and so I was listening to it this morning and he was referencing. I was like, yes, that's awesome. He's listening to this to Stephen Corbett, yeah, you know, from Corbett Report. So. I was like, that's awesome. But yeah, but yeah, who is Bill Gates? And I mean, they, they did a really good job of giving a lot different point of view on maybe what Bill Gates motives are that haven't been considered in the past. And this is another thing that came out. I thought was really interesting. Now my background, I, I know uh, Mike Flynn, General Flynn, yeah. right? I knew him as an officer uh, when he was a field grade officer not a general officer. Um, and, um, he was a great guy, seriously, like seriously great, like a good guy, good guy. Like I, I would, I would put, I would put money on him as not having done anything wrong. I bet he's not even jaywalked, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, seriously, I mean, he's just, he's a straight up boy. He's a boy scout. I like, believe and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that as in like he is, 
he sticks to his word, does what he says, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And, um, and, and he came out on a video and published a video and I can't remember which show it was on, but I get snippets of it because I subscribe to one of his, uh, sub channels, uh, on, on the back, on the back end. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I get different things that he says that actually are coming from him, not from people who claim to be him. I mean, this is actually him in the video. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, he's basically talking about um, this, this, uh, these different videos that Alex Jones did. And he was like, and you guys have got to watch this. I mean, he was literally, he was like coming down, like, you know, they've said all these bad things about Alex Jones. They've said this, they've said that they've, you know, they've tried to ruin his name, but you know, he did all this work and put all this effort into, um, you know, this, this, uh, this documentary, um, that the, I guess he released on Saturday that was really good. And I thought, okay, all right. You know what people, Oh, that was the, you know, uh, spars 2025 to yes. 2028. Yeah. Yeah. I saw yes, that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know what? It, it took everybody getting really uncomfortable to start waking the fuck up. Right. You know, cause there's, there are people right now that are like, what just happened? You know, yeah. where, <laughs> where we, we've kind of been calling this all, all along the way that we knew that this was only going to go in one direction and it was going to be an authoritarian one. Right. You know, because, you know, you never let a crisis go to ro- waste, right? That's Absolutely. also Solinsky. Yes, it is. You know, and so, so, you know, this, this, we were, we've been calling this all along. And I remember when people were like, oh, there's no virus. It's not a virus. And my concern all along was not, it's not about the damn virus. It's about how people are going to react and what the government is going to do with it. Yep. It, it was it was always going to be that and and so you know here we are and you know i know we were talking about gun control but that's okay oh, and, th- and then and then those damn vaccines um first off it's not a vaccine it's not it's a gene therapy yeah that's it that's all it is it's a gene reprogramming. Therapy. there was a i i found uh i found an article i'll send it to you i also have that that spars 2025 to 2028 document saved on my phone if you want me to send it to you um but let me find this document this article written it was about a ted talk that the the ceo of moderna gave in 2017 uh see i sent it to my dad where's my dad i know he's on here and just talk to him. Um, shit, I'll have to find it. But he's talking about how um, he's talking about how mRNA is basically uh, a new technology that views you as a, a program that it enters your body to reprogram you. And so that's, I mean, like any, I mean, this is, like I said, it's a Ted talk. He's admitting this. Yeah. And, and just, just matter of factly, there it is. Uh, Matter of factly, just bringing it up like, like it's nothing. And 
I was like, well, okay. So why has this um, not gotten more traction? Why aren't we hearing about this? Why aren't people talking about this? But it, it was written by, I mean, I'm trying to find the article right now. It was written by a guy named Loman. Um, I had never heard of him before, but I subscribed to Technocracy News. Um, okay. Patrick Wood's site. And it, it came through on his, um, on his newsletter a couple of weeks ago. I'm not finding it right now. I'll send it to you though. I'll make sure I send it to you. And um, yeah, but it, I mean, it's talking all about the mRNA technology being used to reprogram your your cells and in your genealogy to yeah. uh, to basically like you're a program, like you're a computer yeah. program. And I mean, yeah. it's just really creepy shit, you know. Yeah. When when you hear some of these people's plans, the way they look at things. I mean, you're gonna go back. You can read Zbigniew Brzezinski between two ages, you know, like there's so much out there. Cecil Rhodes wrote about yeah. shit like this. I mean, there's so much out there. And, and when you bring it up, people are like, Oh, you're a conspiracy theory. You know what I mean? But if, even if you yeah. share that time article where they basically admit they rigged the election, you're a conspiracy theorist, but it, right. no, yeah. I'm just sharing a yeah. fucking article, man. I didn't write the damn article. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, what they see it as is that if you if you are not if you are not down with the uh, the narrative, then then you're obviously um, the enemy. And you know, who would have thought? Who would have thought that there would be a word for a person that had so much vile and vitriol in it? than conspiracy theorists i mean who would have thought that that anything could have been more um you know nothing could be more damaging to your name and your reputation than being called a conspiracy theorist no you think the cia that, that for is that. that is social engineering uh you know um in in a very large sense yeah because it's global it's global it, that's not just a u.s national thing that's everywhere yeah no you're right and i, I found yeah. it it's right here moderna's top scientists we are actually hacking the software of life yeah dr tal zox the chief medical examiner medical officer at moderna incorporated explained in a 2017 ted talk how the company's mrna vaccine was designed to work over the last 30 years he said We've been living this phenomenal digital scientific revolution. And I'm here today to tell you that we are actually hacking the software of life and that it's changing the way we think about prevention and treatment of disease. And, you know, when I, I think I remember reading that back then, and I think I remember replying to a story like that, or maybe like a quote of the yeah. story. Mm -hmm. And I remember I remember putting a, um, a gif in the, uh, in the section and it was something like, um, world war Z. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> you know, they're, they're going <clears> to <throat> fuck around with nature and they're going to find out that it's not that controllable. Right. That yeah. something is not going to work 
and it's going to go sideways. And, you know, I'm sure that a hundred years from now, our recording of our discussion here, somebody will be like, Oh my gosh, they predicted the, you know, (laughs) seriously, they are, they are going to fuck around and they are going to find out. You cannot, you cannot fuck with nature. You just cannot. And, and when people do, you know, there's all kinds of shit that you got to that, that end up coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, a World War Z, but and I, I guess if it were, that might help reset things, too. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite course, me- one of my favorite memes was is the one that goes around. that says I was promised a zombie apocalypse. This virus sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So- but hey, well, we've been going about an hour and a half. I need to get my dog out. I haven't taken him out yet. So um, okay, yeah. You, you got anything you want to plug or any, any last thoughts you want to cover? No, I I think we hit it all. I mean, it's it was. I apologize. I, you know, this time I didn't have any notes. Anything I wanted, I didn't have a written agenda. Nothing. That's I right. literally just wanted to have a conversation with you, and I I think it turned out pretty well. Yeah, no, that's typically what I do is I I just usually talk. I mean, I kind of, I kind of have an idea. (laughs) I just did one with Thaddeus Russell uh, a couple of weeks ago and I had this like whole idea of what I wanted to talk about. And I I think we hit one bullet point out of everything I had (laughs) like in my head. Like, so I don't mind that. Like I like the conversations (laughs) to go naturally where they go, man. And and the the listeners appreciate it too. Yeah, no, this was good. This was good. And, you know, um, definitely, um, I don't want to keep you, uh, I had a good time. Um, I think this is our first, yes. uh, podcast together. So yeah, we'll it do good. it again. It actually, it was good. intentions took you to your grave your pride is how they killed you with the flag you wave just like a fool they promised you a mountain gifted you a stone they demanded that you throw it into your neighbor's home and then seize all that they worked for and give it to the throne just like a tool. Well, as we all just stand in line and glorify new ways of being cool. Seems to me humanity is not something that they're teaching us in school. They dumps down all around propaganda, their pollution. They set a cage up on the stage, a facade for a solution. They build a wall, block them all from this mental institution. It's insane. As we 
stand in line and justify these crimes done in our names. Seems to me authority and tyranny are both one and the same. Until our right to freedom is understood.